Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Good morning. Good to see you all. If uh, you're a first-time guest, we want to definitely take a minute and, and welcome you and, and uh, say that we're honored that you're here. So welcome, first-time guests. If you're a returning guest and you're still checking us out, um, we're, also, we're, we're glad you're here as well. Today, I want to continue the series that we've been doing, and if you're new here, we've been doing a series called Foundation, and the purpose of the series is to really look at what are the foundational beliefs for Christianity. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What are the things that we believe? Not, not just the things that we as a local church believe, not just our own statement of faith, but what are the things that followers of Jesus have believed for 2,000 years plus? And so we're going to be looking at some of those doctrines, some of those ideas, and uh, I'm going to skip ahead today because of what I'm getting ready to do. I'm leaving, as you know, with Pastor Drew, Dave Hubbard, Pastor Jess Slusher from Quincy, Washington. The four of us are leaving on Wednesday morning, driving to Seattle, jumping on an airplane, and flying across the earth to the Philippines to do almost three weeks of ministry. And so what I want to do is I want to get into a foundational belief of what it means to follow Jesus, and that is that we're called to go, to go to people with good news and to tell them about this one who died for them, this one who was buried in their place, and this one who rose again from the dead, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus our Lord and Savior. Amen? Today's message is actually called, Together We Will Make Disciples in All the World. Amen. So I want to start with a text that uh, is really powerful, Isaiah 42, verse 4. And let me give you a little background to that text before we read it. Isaiah was a prophet that lived in Israel 700 plus years before Jesus. And the things that he prophesied over Israel, the warnings that he gave, the promises of restoration, all of those things again, were prophesied 700 plus years before Jesus came to the earth as a man. And here's the interesting thing. We have copies of the book of Isaiah that actually predate Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So we know he actually lived way before Jesus. And there's a whole section in the second half of Isaiah. Here's a a quick little aside. Isaiah has 66 chapters. The Bible has 66 books. The Old Testament is made up of 39 chapters, the New Testament 27. In the book of Isaiah, there are 39 chapters of judgment and the law and the people being judged because they've left God. And the last 27 chapters are chapters about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. So here's the beautiful thing. The book of Isaiah is like a mini microcosm, a mini book that shows us the whole of the Bible and gives us the gospel. And the most clear prophecies of Jesus hundreds of years before he was even born are in the book of Isaiah. Prophecies in Isaiah 53 about his death, about his suffering, Isaiah 52. There, there are, there are, there's a chapter after chapter after chapter that show us Jesus and are speaking of Jesus. And this is one of the texts about the suffering servant, but this one's not about the suffering servant, but they're called the serv- servant prophecies. And this particular 
prophecy is a promise of what he will do when he comes. So look at it with me, Isaiah 42.4. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. You know what's cool about that? That's talking about us. Did you know that we are distant lands beyond the sea? You ever think about that? Think about this for a minute. When this was written, it was written from the Middle East, right? About a time that was coming in the earth when distant lands would receive good news. And if you lived in Jerusalem at that time, you didn't even know Moses Lake Washington existed. And Moses Lake Washington is about as far away and about as distant as you can get. So here we are, the recipients of a prophecy that was given 2,700 plus years ago that's talking about you and me. And we are the recipients of that instruction. We are waiting. Even right now, you're sitting here in Moses Lake, Washington, inside the building of Grace Harvest Church, this church family, and you are waiting for instruction, and I'm preaching, and you and I at this very moment are fulfilling a prophecy that a prophet spoke of 2,700 years ago. Bam! Boom! Wham! feel like I'm in a Batman movie. Okay. Now, I, I just want to give a little context for you that are new here. We, we have a vision as a church. We have a short vision statement, and it's going to come up here on the screen. And I, I want to walk you through this real quick. Here's our kind of our vision statement. It's very simple, very short. Notice the words, together we will. So that means us. Together we will worship God. So the first part of our short vision statement is vertical. We exist to worship God. How many of you believe that? I mean, I don't know if you know it or not, but you're hardwired. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, even if you're just kind of seeking and searching and asking questions and you're in that stage of your life, even if you're a skeptic, you're a worshiper. You may not worship God yet, but you're worshiping something. And I know that because wherever you give your attention, your energy, your affections, your imagination, your love, wherever that part of you is turning, that's worship. Worship is devotion to something or someone. And all of us are deeply devoted to something. Some of us are just devoted to ourselves. We're worshiping ourselves. But when we become aligned with God and we're changed, together we will worship God. That's the vertical part. And then out of worship of God, we do something. Jesus said, and, and, and we see this in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, that the greatest two commandments, which are really one commandment, two sides of the same coin, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we're called to love. We're called to love God, vertical. We're called to love our neighbor, horizontal. And we love our neighbor because we love God. Out of the love of God and God's love toward us, we are compelled to love our neighbor. Amen? Am I talking to anybody? Remember around here, you got to help me preach. I preach way better if I get an amen or a yeah or something, even if you just smile at me every once in a while. Jacob, no crossing your eyes, though. Okay. <laughs> Together we will worship God, serve our city. You know, how do you let somebody know you love them? You serve them, right? You give your life for them. So we'll serve our city, and we do that in many, many ways in Moses Lake. And what will we do? We'll make disciples. And a disciple is a learner, an apprentice, a student, so what we'll, and a follower. So we will make disciples, make followers, apprentices, learners, and students of Jesus. 
And that's what we're called to do. Our value, we have a value around outreach and world missions. Let me read that to you. We value God's love for lost humanity. Do we have that by any chance on the screen? We don't. We do. We do. We don't. We don't. Oh, that's a don't. Okay. This is a don't. I should have known that. I remember my mama. Now it's my wife. No, just kidding. Peggy would never. Just kidding. Just joking. Okay. We value, listen to this, so you're just going to have to listen. Use the powers of your listening. Okay, here we go. We value God's love for lost humanity and is called to reach people with the good news. We value relationship-based evangelism, small group outreach, and the planting of churches as some of the most effective ways to reach people and disciple new converts. We value short and long-term missionary efforts which support the indigenous church leaders in foreign lands as they seek to fulfill the Great Commission. What's an indigenous church leader? We believe that we're to come alongside the people of a country, the national people of that country, and to support them and be supplemental to them because we know they know their culture and their customs better than we do. And the best way we can help them reach their own nation is to come alongside and serve alongside. Amen? So that's what we're doing. Now, Whenever we get ready to do something, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is the theological basis for what we're doing? What do I mean by that? What is, the, what is the Bible, what does God have to say about the subject that we're looking into? And I want to take you on a short but very quick theological journey through the Bible of God's heart for the nations. Because I want you to know something, God loves everybody. He loves the planet. He loves the people everywhere. Right? God's not an American God, just like He's not a Republican. Did you know Jesus isn't a Republican? I know that's going to mess some of you. And He's not a Democrat either. He's Jesus. Right? I love that thing that a guy said a number of years ago. Somebody said, he said, you know, Jesus isn't, I, or I don't, I don't follow an elephant and I don't follow a donkey. I follow the lamb. Amen. So anyway, so I want to give you the theological foundation for what it is that we do. And I want to start with a guy named Abraham. How many of you have ever heard of Abraham? Abraham is what we call the father of our faith, okay? So he's the one who kind of started this all. If you know anything about Judaism, what the, the religion of, of Jewish people that follow um, Judaism, uh, they consider Abraham to be the father of their faith. If you know anything about Islam, Islam considers Abraham to be the father of their faith. And we as Christians actually consider Abraham to be the father of the faith. And God told Abraham something really profound. He said he would bless through Abraham all the families of the earth. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three. This is Abraham's, he's, he's just called Abram here. This is before he got a name change. Abraham is met by Jesus in the Old Testament, Old Testament appearance of Jesus by the Lord. and. As he encounters God, God speaks to him what will come of him and his offspring. Look at this with me. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred. By the way, a little bit later, you'll see that the first words of the Great Commission from Jesus are go to the nation. So now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And look at this, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's what you call a big vision. All the families of the earth will be blessed. Well, let's continue it. Abraham was waiting for a son. And when the Lord told him this, he had to wait 25 more years before the son of promise was born. And that son's name was Isaac. And Isaac's name means laughter. And that's what Abraham did. And that's what Sarah did. And that's what God did, right? God laughed when Isaac was born. And Isaac became the promised son. And in the same way that God encountered Abraham, God encountered Isaac. But he added something a little bit different to his promise to Isaac. I want you to notice in Genesis 26, 4, it says this. He's speaking to Isaac. He said, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heavens. Wow. And will give you offspring, give your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So he's going to bless all the families. He's going to bless all the nations. Now, here's a beautiful thing. When you see the word nations in the Bible, it's not just speaking about bordered states. And this is important because how many of you know borders change? The world isn't broken up into the same borders at all as it was 2,000 years ago or 3,800 years ago. Okay, so when God speaks of nations in the Bible, the Greek word is ethnos. He's talking about ethnic groups. So he's literally saying, in you, Isaac, through your offspring, all the different ethnic people groups on the earth will be blessed. Isn't that powerful? Now we go to the New Testament and we see the fulfillment. How many of you love to see when God makes a promise and it gets fulfilled? Okay, now here's what you have to understand. When God spoke to Abraham and when God spoke to Isaac, that was about 3,800 years ago. Can you say wow? Who's who just said wow? Was that you that said wow? Thank you for the wow. Say it backwards. Okay, yeah. Okay. Wow. So here's the beautiful thing. When the, when the fulfillment of this word comes, we, we find out that it comes through Jesus. When Jesus came to the earth, he was the fulfillment of what God promised Abraham and God promised Isaac. By the way, later he also promises his son Jacob, his grandson Jacob. So the blessing given to the nations is what? It's Jesus. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. You can see it here. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Okay, is there anybody in here of a Jewish background? Anybody in here of a Jewish background? Anyone at all? I don't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just making a point. Okay, anybody in here that is non-Jewish, raise your hand. Okay, keep your hand up for a minute. Keep your hand up for a minute. Now say this with me. I was a Gentile. Okay, now back to the text. Look at this. This is really important for you to see. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. What does that mean? To justify us means to declare us right with God. Seeing, foreseeing that God would 
justify all the people that are not Jews by faith in Christ. That's what it's talking about. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. What's it saying? It's saying that when Jesus came to the earth and we trust in him, we become the offspring. We become connected to the offspring and that offspring is Jesus Christ. The offspring of Abraham would bless the nations, and that offspring is Jesus. Look at Galatians 3.16. You move down and look what it says. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And so this is what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when God wanted to bless all the nations of the world, and he wanted to bring them back to relationship with him, every ethnic group, and he wanted a big family, and he loved us so much. For God so loved the world, he gave his son, right? It starts with, so God so loved the world. Because God loved us, he sent Jesus. Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and to Isaac that the families of the earth and the nations of the earth would be blessed through those who put faith in the God that Abraham put faith in. And that would be every one of us in this room. You may not realize it, but you are the fulfillment of a prophecy made 3,800 years ago. Now you say, wow. Okay, thank you. Wow. So when we go to the nations with the gospel and we make disciples, we are fulfilling the Abrahamic blessing. Let me show you this. This is... um, In Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, can you say these words with me? The Great Commission? commission. Let's do it again. That was weak. The Great Commission. commission. Thank you. Now, what is the Great Commission? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Great Commission is when Jesus was getting ready. So, So Jesus has come to the earth. He's performed miracles. He's taught and he's preached everywhere. And what happened? They crucified him or I should say our sins crucified him. He's buried in a tomb, and three days later, he rises from the dead bodily. Over the course of the next 40 days, Jesus appears over and over to his disciples. And as he appears to them, he tells them about the kingdom of God, the kingdom that's to come, the kingdom that's already in their midst by the Holy Spirit, but the kingdom that's gonna begin to really come in power on Pentecost. So he tells them about his kingdom, And for 40 days, he appears over and over and over again. And at the end of that 40 days, he's standing on a mountain. And we don't know how many people are there, but we know that he appeared to over 500. So it's possible 500 plus people are on the mountain. And Jesus gives them his final instructions. In fact, he gives them a commission. Now, a commission means to be sent with authority, to be sent backed by the one who's sending you. So Jesus comes and he's the one who now has all authority. And what he does is he gives his instructions, and this is really key for us to understand. Theologically, this is really important. He gives his instructions and then he ascends into heaven. Now, I don't know what that looked like. I don't know if he disappeared into a cloud. I don't know if they opened up a portal. I don't know. I don't know if he just kind of went and threw the atmosphere into, I don't know. But this is what the scripture teaches, that he went into the heavens, he sat at the right hand of the Father, and he began what is theologically known as his session. And what's his session? That is his rulership. 
He took the throne of David. He took the throne of the nations. He took the throne of creation. He took the throne over everything. He took all authority in heaven and earth. And so when he sent them, he was saying, I have it all, I'm over it all, I'm in and through it all, and now I'm backing y'all. That's what he was saying. Look at it with me. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Now, you know what? I should have put verse 18 in there. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what verse 18 says. In verse 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples, students, learners, apprentices, followers of all nations. And then he showed us what to do once we made disciples, as we're making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when, when a church gets involved in doing missions work, it's because we're obeying what Jesus called us to do. And here's the reality. Every one of us in this room that are followers of Jesus are followers of Jesus because somebody in our life obeyed the Great Commission. You may not realize it. You might say, well, I grew up going to church and I never had a moment where somebody preached to me and I said, I believe, yes, you did. It was your parents or your Sunday school teachers or a pastor. Somebody in your life has influenced you. Maybe you say, I just prayed one night and asked the Lord to come into my life. Yeah, okay, let's say that that happened and you were alone, just you and Jesus. But I'm gonna tell you what followed. People were in your life. People sent by God with authority to speak into you, to teach you, to show you the way to follow Christ because none of us can follow Christ without having other people involved in that connection. Amen? So when we go to the nations with the gospel and we make disciples, we're fulfilling the Abrahamic blessing. Now, there's something I just need to talk about really quickly before I tell you what we're getting ready to do. Um, this is, this is a really important key thing. But I had somebody recently say to me, they said, you know, uh, I think that churches do too much overseas and we need to take care of our own. We need to take care of our own place. Uh, this country needs the gospel. The, this country needs Jesus. We need to just concentrate our efforts here. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a minute, just in case you've ever had that thought. Um, I just want to dismantle it right now. <laughs> just kidding. Now, he, here's the reality. It's and both, not either or, right? We're never called to just stay in our place. By the way, the vast majority of resources in every local church goes to local ministry. Vast, vast, way, way more. Money, time, energy, pastoral leadership, counseling, working with marriages, everything goes here. But what Jesus told us to do was to go into the world and he gave us kind of a picture of what that's to look like in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he said, we were to, first of all, go to our Jerusalem. And then he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Think of it as concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. What's that mean for us? Moses Lake, Washington, the United States, and the ends of the earth. 
right? And right now we're involved with a number of things locally. We do a number of things in our own city. We serve Longview Elementary School. We're involved in supporting Crossroads Resource Center. We support uh, Youth Dynamics. We do a number of outreaches locally, and we help people locally. And then we do things. We've done things in our nation. We've been involved when Hurricane Katrina hit years ago. We sent a team down there. Pastor Rao led a bunch of youth to Hurricane Katrina. We've always been involved in outreaches that are local, statewide, nationally. But God's also called us to do something internationally. And so we're involved internationally. And this is why that's so important, because it's too easy for us to get like this, right? And we need to be looking like this, like Jesus did, because I want to tell you something. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 2 and Psalm 110 that the Father said to him, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. And you can bet you Jesus said, I want them all, Father. I want them all. I want every nation. I want every tribe. I want every tongue. I want every color. I want to wear Joseph's many-colored coat of the nations on my body. Amen? I thought that was good preaching. I deserved a little bit more than that. (laughs) So here's our commitment to make disciples in the Philippines. Let me tell you what we do and what we're going to do. And then we're going to end today. We let, we let you know uh, on social media about this, but we're going to end today by receiving a missions offering for the Philippines. And I'm going to ask you to pray and just ask God what you can do. And let's, uh, let's take care of everything that it's going to cost for us to do this trip. Amen? So here's what we do. First of all, the best thing to do if you're going to get involved in missions is commit to a long-term relationship. We've been involved in the Philippines for 24 years. Amen? We decided a long time ago we didn't just want to do a little short-term trip here, a little short-term trip here, but we wanted to focus our attention and our resources and our energies into long-term relationships because it's best to build relationally. Secondly, we commit to serve children, youth, and pastors and leaders. We uh, serve a a, um, place called the Mountain Home Children's Home. Okay, and it's, a, it's an orphanage, basically. And we've supported over the years anywhere from about 25 to 40 children for 24 straight years now. Some of the children have grown into adulthood and are now pastors and good citizens. We've been involved with a network of churches there called Bible Christian Fellowship and another called Lifeway. Uh, we, we've been a part of coming alongside this children's home to the, right now, we send $1,200 a month to care for all these kids. And those come from your giving. Some of you, you've been involved in sponsoring a child at the children's home for years and you've continued to give toward that. And that's what we do. We're involved with children and youth. We are investing in the next generation. And you know what's been really cool is to go there and watch kids that are, you know, knee high to a grasshopper grow up and go on to become great citizens, leaders, pastors of churches. It's pretty exciting. Secondly, we do pastor and youth pastor conferences. Peter Mayim and his son Joshua Mayim um, are the main connection point in one section of the Philippines that we go to called Baguio. And Peter Mayim leads Lifeway Bible Church Network and his son Joshua leads their home church. And then we also work with another network of churches called Bible Christian Fellowship. And what we do is we go there and we equip and encourage pastors and youth pastors from all over the northern Philippines. We give them resources that encourage their faith, and we come alongside them. And let me tell you how we come alongside them. 
Many of them don't have the financial resources to be able to go to a conference like this. And in many ways, for some of them, this is kind of like their Bible college. This is their supplemental education and input. So they have to come from way up in the mountains and travel over the course of a couple of days to come to this conference. And they just don't have the resources to pay for lodging, transportation, food, and all those things. So what we do is supplement that. They pay a certain amount to come to the conferences and we supplement that. And, and so that means every conference we do, we're sending resources ahead of time so that they'll be able to travel, to come to the conference, and to sit under teaching and learning, to be prayed for and encouraged and recommissioned into what it is that we do. Yeah. Amen. Next, we, uh, we sometimes get involved in helping with buildings, church buildings, and, and, um, and schools and things like that. We, we give funds toward those things, and we do Bible college training. We, we know of a number of guys who have actually, we've had people from our church sponsored to go to Bible college. People from our church have sponsored young men and women to go to Bible college and be able to get prepared for ministry. Uh, we are also involved in disaster relief. We've sent thousands of dollars for typhoon and flood relief. I remember years ago, we went to the city of Baguio and they'd had a terrible mudslide and an entire mountain had come down right through a little village and wiped out a bunch of people. And I talked to one pastor who had lost seven people from his congregation in that mudslide. And they needed cleanup, they needed all kinds of things. We've been involved in helping with disaster relief. We've helped with medical needs. We've helped children with cleft palates. We've helped others who, who needed surgeries in order to take care of things they could never afford themselves. So those are the things that we've been involved in. I love this quote from Malthy Babcock. It says, your love, your love, uh, speaking of us, your love has a broken wing if it cannot fly across the sea. And I want to have strong wings, amen? Touch the nations of the earth. Um, so what's the purpose of this trip? What are we going to be doing? We're going to be doing three leadership conferences to equip pastors and church leaders. By the way, can we start to put the photos up right now? I'd love you to see some of these photos, and they'll just scroll through as I'm talking. Um, we're going to give input to two church networks to help equip them for their future. We're going to deepen the relationships that we have with the pastors and the leaders in the Philippines. We're going to check on the children's home, see how it's doing, and offer any support that we can to encourage the children and Amy Mayim. Okay, so we're going to be doing that. We're going to travel all over. That's one of the places, actually, Pastor Jess Slusher. No, maybe Drew's going there. I don't remember. I think Jess Slusher's going there. That's Mayuyao up in the mountains. It's pretty amazing. Those are rice terraces. And we're going to be going to these places and doing ministry while we're over there. Why do we need to raise money? I already told you we supplement the conferences. There will be needs that present themselves on the trip. We almost always have something come up that we feel to give toward. And then we have team expenses. Pastor Drew and I, um, we all together, each of us has to have about $3,000 to do this trip. It's about a grand or so for the airplane tickets. And then lodging and food for three weeks is about another 2000 or so. So each of us, it's about $3,000 to raise money for, for this particular part of the trip. Um, and all together, how much do we need to raise? Well, our part of all the conferences, when you put, to, put them together, is somewhere between seven dollars and $8,000. That's one of the conferences we're going to do. So somewhere between seven dollars and $8,000 for the conference expenses, and then our travel, lodging, food, and other expenses runs about 6000 
So altogether, we need to raise somewhere between thirteen and fourteen thousand dollars, and we've raised about four thousand, a little more than four thousand so far. So do the math. Somewhere between nine and ten thousand dollars is still what we have to do in order to do this trip. So I know somebody's sitting out there right now, and they're like, "Man, I've been looking for a place to write a ten thousand dollar check." Thank you, God. You've answered my prayer. Well, if the Lord puts that on your heart, do it. Or whatever, whatever He puts on your heart. Because He loves the nations. Jesus loves the nations. Let's remember the most famous text of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Amen? So when God... Love the world, what did he do? All right, y'all got quiet there. When God loved the world, what did he do? He gave. And when we love like him, we give, right? And um, he so loved the world, the nations, people, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, do we have any whoever's in here? If you're a whoever, raise your hand. If you believe, raise that hand up. You're a whoever. Whoever believes should not perish, that means come to destruction, but have eternal life. We want to get involved in what God's doing. We want to join Him in what He's doing in the nations. So this is what we're going to do. I would like you to do something with me. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to speak to us, and, uh, and then we're going to receive an offering. So here's ways that you can give. First of all, if you need an offering envelope, put your hand up right now and hold it up there until an usher gets one in your hand. So come on, ushers, move them out, okay? And keep your hand up there until... And the second way is you can text GHCML to this number and there will be a series of prompts or the best way, the simplest way is to use the PushPay app. And if you don't already have that on your phone or your device, it can be found on the Android store or Google Play store and uh, Apple App Store. PushPay. Set up an account and you can give there toward the Philippine Mission. I think it's Philippine Mission 2022, right, Pastor Ralph? Is that what it's called? Um, So before you, you do anything, let's pray. And let's ask the Lord to show us what to do, how to give. Father, we thank you that we get to be a part of something bigger than us, that we get to be a part of something that goes beyond our own needs. Lord, I know for some of us this could stretch us, but I pray you would stretch us. Enlarge our hearts to include people even outside of our country, people we've never met before. Give us a heart for them. Give us your heart for the nations, the peoples of the world. Lord, speak to us now. Show us what you want us to give. Meet every need. Provide everything that needs to be provided, we pray. We trust you, we look to you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay?
while the offering is being received, I, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Will you please pray for us while we're gone? Amen. Will you pray hard? Let me tell you about myself. I, I'm not a good traveler. Typically, I really have difficulty sleeping. I have sleep issues in my own bed. So when I travel on an airplane and my whole body clock gets thrown off, by the way, they're 15 hours ahead of us in the Philippines. So what time is it right now? It's 12.30. That means that it's 3.30 a.m. tomorrow, okay, in the Philippines right now. So 15 hours ahead of us. Will you pray for us? Pray for our health, for our travel. Travel can be a little sketchy sometimes in the Philippines. So pray for us. Pray that God would anoint us. Give us words. Give us the right message at the right time in the right place. Pray that he'll drop in our hearts his thoughts, his heart for the people. Pray that he'll give us a prophetic sense. What does that mean? That he'll show us what he's doing, what he's up to, what his heart is for the people. Amen? Pray that the Lord will do miracles. You want to hear a really cool testimony of the Lord working in our weakness? One of the trips we took to the Philippines... I was not sleeping on the airplanes or anything, and we arrived in the Philippines. I'd already been up for a couple days. We arrived in the evening. They took us right to the bus depot, put us on a bus, and we traveled all night on a bus. All night, 12 hours. And I didn't sleep a wink on the bus. Then we got there, and it was morning. We ate breakfast and cleaned up, and then they said, come on, you gotta preach in a church. So I went to a church service and I preached, preached my heart out, prayed for a bunch of people. I was like, ah, I'm done, good, okay, I can go to bed now. No, there's another meeting across town. We're going to feed you some lunch and then you need to go across town. So they fed me some lunch. I went across town. By this time, I've been up like 53 hours. My legs hurt, my feet hurt, my back hurt, my butt hurt, my neck and my shoulders hurt. I was, I had a headache. I was just like, oh, God. I went there. I preached. I faked it. Well, not really, but I trusted God. I was really weak. I didn't want to do it. Internally, I was complaining the whole time. And I was just exhausted. I got done preaching, and people came up, and I prayed for people, prayed for people, prayed for people. Then I gave some prophetic words to some people, and by now, I was done and I wanted to go home. And they said, can you pray for another person? And they brought a lady up. And she was real yellow, jaundiced. And they said, she's been sent home to die. And they, they think it's liver cancer, but nothing, none of the treatments are working. And, and will you pray for her? And so I was feeling weak. I want you to know I had no feeling of faith at all. Nothing. I didn't want to pray for anybody. I was done. I was tired. I didn't have faith to see her healed, but I wanted to do what they were asking me to do, you know, duty. So I put my hands on her and I prayed for her. She said, Lord, have mercy on her. Heal her. Do what you do. I don't, only you can, if you don't intervene, this woman has no hope. And I left. I came, we finished the trip. I came home. A couple weeks later, I got an email. Here's what the email said. The woman you prayed for was completely healed doctors are shocked and amazed and the testimony of it went through the whole region 
So the next time I came back, they were excited. And I kept trying to tell them, that wasn't me. Because it's not. Because I was tired and I had no faith and I was weak. But Jesus is a healer. And God so loved the world that he gave his son. Amen? So join us in praying for us that in our weakness he'll be made strong and that God will be glorified. Stand with me if you would. Thank you, Father, for loving us and for what you've done. Be glorified in the weeks ahead. Lord, visit this house in the weeks ahead. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Do amazing things here. Let these next few weeks here be incredible. Anoint Pastor Raul and Pastor Noah and the whole team, Lord. Use them to preach and teach and move in the spirit. And God, have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember. Keep coming to church and supporting the pastors and the leaders here. And be here, right? Be here because Jesus is here. He's the special guest. He's the star of the show. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine on you. Go with God. He goes with you. God bless you.